My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I'll be speaking with Jackie Townstra Harrison and Barry Rook. In Canada, radio broadcasting is divided into three categories commercial broadcasting, public broadcasting, and community broadcasting. This last, which is often further subdivided into campus radio and community radio, has a mandate to focus on local content and content that is distinct from commercial radio and the CBC. Campus and community stations often feature a much wider range of music than their commercial counterparts, including lots of local performers. They often provide space for voices and perspectives that are marginalized in commercial and public media. And they actively train and involve volunteers from the community in production, hosting, and all aspects of radio work as part of their mandate to provide community access to the airwaves. As is true of many other student-driven services, campus radio stations are funded to a significant extent through a student levy. That is, a fee paid by every student at the institution, which in the case of campus radio stations generally amounts to a few dollars per person per semester. Many campus stations also generate revenue through some mix of fundraising, membership drives, and ad sales, but for most stations, the student levy accounts for anywhere from 50% to almost 100% of the money that they require to operate. A student levy can only be instituted after a democratic vote by students in favor of doing so, and it can be removed by the same mechanism. So while it has been to this point mandatory for students to pay these fees, they are things that students themselves have democratically decided upon. In January of this year, the Conservative provincial government in Ontario announced a new policy undermining the ability of students to make such democratic decisions, which they are calling the Student Choice Initiative. Under this policy, universities will have to allow individual students to opt out of paying many student levies. The details remain quite unclear, but it seems like universities will have some discretion to declare certain fees mandatory, but that, at least at this moment, does not seem to apply to student media fees. Jackie Townstra Harrison is the general manager of CJRU 1280AM, also called The Scope, a relatively new campus radio station affiliated with Ryerson University in downtown Toronto. Barry Rook is the executive director of the National Campus and Community Radio Association, or NCRA, which represents about 110 not-for-profit radio stations of various sorts across the country, including 19 campus stations in Ontario. According to today's guests, if this policy is implemented, its impacts will be devastating. Most campus stations are already pretty lean operations and would be quite difficult to run on highly variable revenue streams. Much of what stations take in is already committed to pay their quite modest number of staff and for contracts on things like tower rentals. The NCRA projects that upwards of a quarter of campus stations in Ontario could close within a year or two and a similar number in the following five years. This means that those campuses and their surrounding communities would lose what stations bring in terms of student employment, education and training, 
campus culture, support for local musicians, opportunities for marginalized communities, and access to the airwaves. In response, stations are mounting a campaign under the hashtag DefendCampusRadio. The role played by the NCRA has primarily been to facilitate information gathering, communication and coordination, while individual stations have been focused on public education and lobbying. An emergency summit of impacted stations was hosted at Ryerson by CJRU. The campaign has been making active use of social media. They've been mobilizing people to sign petitions, which have been presented in the provincial legislature, and to call the Ministry of Training, Colleges and Universities, as well as MPPs. And all of this is in the context of broader student opposition to the changes in how student levies work, which at least in some places has included mobilizations on the street as well as student walkouts. While this only impacts stations in Ontario, the new Conservative government in Alberta has expressed interest in the measure, and other right-wing governments may follow suit. I speak with Townstra Harrison and Rook about the Ontario government's attack on campus radio, and about what broadcasters and activists are doing to defend campus radio. My name is Jackie Townstra-Harrison. I'm the general manager at CJRU 1280 AM, which is Ryerson's campus radio. My name is Barry Rook. I'm the executive director of the National Campus and Community Radio Association. We have about 110 members across the country, all not-for-profit radio stations, mostly English, but a couple of Indigenous stations, French language stations, or bilingual stations. The provincial government, the Ford government, has made a decision to open up payments when it comes to what students are expected to pay for with regards to their student fees. And one of the issues is that it now makes each individual student the opportunity to opt out of paying for campus media, which is going to directly impact about 19 or so of our members across the province with defunding anywhere from an estimated 40 to 70% of stations and that will happen as soon as this fall. There's really three things that campus and community radio does. One is that it gives a voice to those that don't normally have a chance to be able to speak. The second is the training and education. An incredible amount of people come through our radio stations and move on to other types of media, and we're really a place where people can learn who normally wouldn't have access to be able to do it. You don't have to go to a radio, TV broadcasting school, journalism school. You can learn on the ground and still find your way into the next steps on your career. And I think the third is sharing of passion, of hobbies, of being a curator for music that's maybe not available to be heard anywhere else. I think for me, campus radio as a listener is like the voice of my neighbors. It's the voice of people I know. It is a lot music discovery for me when I'm listening. And then when I'm participating, the thing that I like about campus radio is, you know, it's like church. You meet people and anywhere you go in the country, there is a campus or a community radio station that you can drop in on with people who have a similar outlook on music or have an interesting way of introducing you to events in their community. Or they're just generally really plugged into the local scene, whether that's, you know, cool farmers markets, you know, communities to visit that you haven't thought to or shows to go to. And then the third reason that I love campus radio is more ideological. Someone once told me, listen, it's like a public park. You know, the airwaves are like land. Some of it we reserve for commercial use and some of it we turn into public parks. And so I think of campus and community radio as like the public park of the airwaves where everybody should be able to get a chance. How did you initially get involved in campus radio? 
I started when I was in university at Carleton at CKCU Radio. And I started as a volunteer there, which I did throughout my university. And then I was later the program director at CKCU, in between which I got to travel for two years in the Middle East. And I also got to attend a radio conference there and help with the first Bedouin radio station in Jordan. And then when I returned, I worked for a long while as the news director at CHRY, which is the York campus station, before getting involved with a license application for a new station at Ryerson. When I was 15 years old, a friend of mine in Toronto said, hey, come do a radio show. They were on CKLN, which is a now defunct radio station in Toronto, which sort of out of that rose CJRU. My mother was like, you're too uh, young. You're not going into Toronto on your own. So why don't you look at something local? And I connected with CFRU at the University of Guelph. And that started my passion for radio. And I've been a producer for about 20 years now. And I've also been lucky enough to do some work both commercially and privately when it comes to accessing airwaves and so on. Education-wise, I went to school for radio TV broadcasting. I also did my master's looking at how radio in Canada used social media in 2011 and 2012. And the whole thing has landed me here at the National Association to help support all the radio stations that we do out of Ottawa. Tell listeners a little more about the NCRA and about CJRU. So the National Association, we were brought together by the radio stations themselves, first specifically to help with developing a national conference, which we are up to the 38th edition, which CJRU is hosting along with us this year in June at Ryerson. Along with the training and the conference sort of things, the rest of the association has grown and it's really focused on regulatory support, making sure stations are to be able to remain compliant with the CRTC. And that's the Canadian Radio, Television and Telecommunications Commission, which is, among other things, the body that regulates radio broadcasting in Canada. As well as support for applying for new stations, dealing with challenges and issues that arise around the CRTC licenses, not-for-profit all that type of work. We also do a lot of sharing of information. So we have listservs in place. We have public service announcement, a podcast network that's just launching. We have a community radio exchange so stations and programmers can share their content with other stations so that there's more on the air. And essentially, from our standpoint, we sort of look at all of those services that our members are looking for and try to do our best to put them all together so that there's sort of a national viewpoint, a national support network for each of the individual stations. We have people who are involved with us at the national level on our board of directors, each come from the radio stations themselves, involved in heavy work when it comes to lobbying and regulatory affairs and that type of advocacy work as well. There's also two other associations, a French radio association inside Quebec and then one outside of Quebec, And combined, we make up about 150 of the 180 licensed radio stations in the country. CGRU Radio is quite small. We're 99 watts, but we're in one of the densest parts of the country in downtown Toronto on 1280 AM and CGRU.ca. We've had lots of exciting projects since we won our radio license. We've partnered with a local mental health group called Progress Place to produce Radio Totally Normal for adults living with mental health issues. We've also partnered with the settlement agency CultureLink to provide workshops to refugees on radio production to help tell their stories. We do lots of documentaries. We love local music and really see ourselves as curators and incubators of music discovery in the city. 
how are campus radio stations funded, and how has the Ford government proposed changing that? So most campus stations receive a student levy, which is a amount each semester or yearly that the university or a student association at the university collects on behalf of the radio station and distributes it. This can range anywhere from about $2 to about $10. And the university station then operates off of that funding plus other sources of funding. So they are allowed to sell advertising. There's often membership drives, fundraising drives, events, promotions, all those different types of things that draw funding back into the organizations. Some campus stations are almost solely or are solely funded by the student fees themselves. Others have mixed revenue. It's usually over 50%, though, for campus stations across the country that is tied specifically to that student fee. So when we're seeing the Student Choice Initiative come into play this fall, obviously, that's a lot of key funding that is on the table to be lost. There's, you know, lots of jobs on the line. There's a lot of volunteer support that's being put into place that we're going to see a big shift in that ability to help with training and development at the local level. And what it does really mean is that these stations, we're expecting a handful of them in Ontario to close because of the lack of funds that they'll be able to have or the uncertainty that they have, or their ability to actually manage those funds with reduced costs and inability to sort of forecast and budget for what's coming in. And of course, advertising, people are tending to move more and more towards digital advertising. There's a bit of a rich surgence when it comes to advertising, especially with our network, because campus has a very niche and unique listenership to it. The listeners that are listening are really dedicated. So for advertising is a benefit and people are often pretty supportive when it comes to other fundraising efforts around it. So we're fortunate in having such a base of very interested and dedicated supporters, but it is reducing. And with these cuts for the student fees, there's going to be even more reductions happening. It is called the Student Choice Initiative, and I find that a bit of a misnomer because all of these fees come into being through a referendum process wherein students have to vote to have the fee, and they can actually use that exact same process to undo the fee, and actually that has happened. There have been stations that have lost their fee through a democratic referendum, and conversely, here at Ryerson, over 80%, and we had a good quorum of voters, all voted to give us a fee because they want a radio station at this campus. So there's a democratic process in play that has been skipped over. And I have a really big problem with that because there was a process in place for student choice already. So we didn't need to do this at all. It is very difficult to run something like a radio station on variable revenues. It's just not really a possibility. And when the sector itself was constructed, there was sort of this idea that this is a founding cornerstone of how we're able to make this public radio, public access media happen. It's also not well understood by those who are tasked with implementing this. Mostly what we're hearing is we don't really have a lot of clarity on how this is supposed to be implemented, and we're on a really short timeline. It's causing people to break all kinds of systems, to break contracts they had, to break staffing contracts at the very minimal. But we have things like tower leases in place. You know, we have contracts with our student unions to provide these services. It's quite a mess. It's incredibly difficult for us to communicate all of this happening over the summer. 
So we would have liked to have seen stakeholder consultation at some, any level. There was absolutely nothing to say, if we did it this way, how is that going to impact the affected stations? So that is a really big problem in a democracy to have a policy like this, wherein there has been absolutely no effort toward consultation. How do you think your station in particular is going to be impacted by this change? I don't have a final agreement that I can speak about at this point. It will be terrible for us because we're a young station. We will not be able to have our full fee declared essential. So that is one thing we do know. And without our full fee, because we're a young station, we don't have savings that we can really rely on. And we do have a lot of contracts that we've promised to provide services for, and we don't want to back out of those. We've spent a lot of time in startup mode, and we're finally ready to kind of exit startup mode and host this national conference and really be the downtown public access radio station that we've dreamed about. So it's catastrophic. It's catastrophic and unnecessary. On top of which, we're such an employer of student jobs. Now, one thing your listeners might not know is that part of this whole omnibus funding policy is students are going to have to start paying their loans back much faster, and their loans are going to be higher because the grants have also been reduced. So when you look at a student who needs to work on campus because they need this money, because they're on loans, all of a sudden, it's not just campus radio. I mean, all these campus services are going to have to cut student jobs. If I was a young person today, would I look at Ontario as a place where I want to study? I'm not sure that I would. So obviously, this is just speculation. But what's your sense of what the Ford government is trying to achieve with this change in how campus groups are funded? I'm not sure that they had campus media in particular in mind. The Student Choice Initiative, from what I understand, is part of a larger philosophy that's permeating the provincial conservatives, which is that you should just pay for the roads that you drive on. If you don't have heart disease, why should your taxes pay for the heart unit at the hospital? You know, the problem with that is you can't build public services on a user-by-user model. Like at some level, we all pay for public schools because we know it's just better to have an educated society, even if we don't have children ourselves, right? So for me, I feel like the policy is a direct result of a philosophy of people within the provincial conservatives wanting to advance a very individualistic approach to taxation, and that the student fee thing was just sort of like an add-on to that. I'd echo with the similar personal feeling. And the next sort of steps to it was the slash and burn type approach that the provincial government in Ontario is doing. And yes, there is a very good chance that community media on campuses is a byproduct of this slash and and this cut. There's also the discussion around whether or not the government wants to take apart the governing bodies through the student associations and many of these other groups have sort of been caught up in the fight as well. I don't know if I can say it or not, but whether or not it is a direct attack on campus media, which tends to lean left as a way to sort of cut off the place where a lot of people are starting to hone or learn their craft as they're getting their post-secondary education. And this also applies beyond Ontario. We're seeing Alberta in the recent election at the provincial level there have similar comments made by their new premier that the student choice initiative model will be brought to campuses in Alberta. What have the stations done to mount a collective response to this proposed change? For us at the national level, what we did was we tried to bring as many people together as possible so we can start gathering information 
There is very little information, very little process that was shared or is shared and information coming from different universities. They don't know either. So we leaned on a lot of these stations that have stepped up and taken ownership over these challenges. Jackie is a great example. CHRY, The Vibe in Toronto is another leader in this. CJAM out of Windsor, CFRU in Guelph. There's a lot of people which have stepped forward with some new ideas, which we've been following forward with. For us, it was trying to make sure that there was a place which people could communicate, talk with each other, share information. And we even had an emergency summit hosted by the Scope at Ryerson. And that was a really good support and starting block besides sharing information online and teleconferences and so on. We've reached out to a lot of MPPs and we've had our petitions presented in the legislature. So many kind people have reached out to us from across different parties to say, yeah, campus radio is really important to me. We also had a phone your government day and we'll probably have another one of those. If listeners want to tell the government that this is totally unnecessary, there was a good structure in place and that you listen to your campus radio, you support the jobs that it provides young people in your community, there will be another opportunity for that. So you can look up hashtag defend campus radio and there's some information campaigns there for sharing. There's template letters that you can write to your legislators and also information about the phone your government day. So we'll have another one of those. And it would be really helpful if people would just call up the Ministry of Training and Colleges, any of those staff members. And what's your sense of how the response by campus radio stations fits into the broader response by students and student groups to these proposed changes? Well, on the Ryerson campus, we've had a class walkout. So students walked out. We had thousands upon thousands of them down here. That was great. And we'll probably look at continued strike actions. A lot of this is supported by various student associations, student groups on campus. Because it's such a far-reaching impact, like it really is looking at so many elements of campus life. And it really is also so poorly thought out, right? Like, is the sexual assault service center an optional service or an essential service? You know, those are the kinds of discussions that are happening because of that. And I hope that we'll see more strike actions from students on this campus. I have a good feeling that that is in the works. A lot of the stations that do have a strong community within the campus or the community as a whole are getting a lot of response back, even from, you know, people who are professors on the campus, are members of parliament at the national level, are supporting, have mayors and so forth writing forward and expressing their concern over these types of challenges. There is a lot of those stations that are rallying the different types of people who not only rely on it for news and information, but also for entertainment and all of the things at the top of the discussion here that we've spoke about. So the stations that are the ones that are more integrated into their communities, more connected with the students, are definitely having their voice being heard. Some stations are a little bit more isolated, whether that's because they already have very little funding in place, whether the support of the students isn't there. There are some challenges with it, and we are thinking that we'll probably see a loss of 15 to 25 percent of stations in the first year or two, and maybe the same similar set of numbers within the next five years or so. So it's a decimation of a very large portion of a sector because of these changes. If this change goes ahead and the campus stations in Ontario are impacted in the fall, what options will they have to try to adapt and survive at that point? I think it really depends on what situation your station is in, because no campus radio station is like another. 
Some of them have very large signals and have been around a very long time and have legacy donors and funding of that level. Others are very, very small. Some have been around a short time. And also things like some have enacted sponsorship policies to remain very non-commercial. And so that's handicapped their ability to raise funds over time because they had the levy and they had access to grant funds. So that's going to really determine folks' survival is station by station where they're at. The one thing I will say is we've been fortunate at Ryerson to have a lot of support from professors and faculty and partners that we've used there. So we're hoping that that translates into some kind of income as we go through this terrible transition. But again, it's not going to be the same for every station. Stations are looking for ways in order to increase revenue or save in expenses. You're going to look across the board on the spreadsheet as well as on the floor and try to look for some solutions. So it might actually be more aggressive work when it comes to, say, selling space on the air or setting up a studio to do some sales, maybe changing some internal services to become paid external services. But to make up some of this deficit that's going to be happening, that's a lot. And I think we are going to see a reduction in service, a reduction in support, and just an overall withdrawal and bringing back what it is that campus media and campus radio does for the community, and it'll hurt. What would you ask listeners who are supportive of community and campus radio to do? Now is the time to speak up. And the best thing I would say is phone the Ministry of Training and Colleges and Universities and just leave a message with any of the staff there, any of the policy advisors, any of the strategic planners. Just call them up and tell them that you think campus radio is essential and you would like them to add us to the essential list for their new policy or to revisit their policy because its implementation is catastrophic for us. So that would be the first thing. And then second of all is it's never too late to add your name to a petition or to write to your MPP and tell them that this is an issue for you. I'd add that as a listener or a student or someone who supports, talk to people, share the information. There's so much happening at the provincial level with cuts and with supports and services being dropped that this has already been forgotten, yet it has a really critical place when it comes to the experience of young people going through school, as well as the opportunities for people who don't normally have a voice to have a voice and get educated around media awareness and consumption and broadcasting and all of that. So talk about it, share it. If you're a listener, tell the communities that you're around that, yeah, I do donate $10 on a monthly basis to make sure we can keep the airways open and accessible and maybe encourage some others to do the same. If this sparks your interest, go find a local campus or community station, walk in, learn more, and maybe get involved yourself. You have been listening to my interview with Jackie Townstra Harrison of CJRU 1280 AM and Barry Rook of the National Campus and Community Radio Association. To learn more about their work, go to thescope at ryerson.ca and ncra.ca, respectively, and to learn more about the Defend Campus Radio campaign, search for it as a hashtag on your favorite social media. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists published by Fernwood Publishing. 
Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. 